This is Lit, Leadership, Impact, and Technology. These episodes are with myself, Rob Z. So I have 20 plus years in broadcasting. I'm a content creator. I'm a digital expert. And my partner in crime for branding, for marketing, for consulting online is Kyle Damon. Kyle, what do you do? What are you all about? Hey, everybody. 15-year digital branding expert. I've launched several national brands, and I'm here to help everybody change the way we do business and earn money in this world. When we talk about LIT, Leadership Impact Technology, when you have great leaders using technology properly, they create huge impacts in their business, in their industries, in their lives, and they create a mission behind that. Great leaders use technology to create a massive impact. How can you become the best leader that you can be and use your leadership to harness new technology to make that massive impact in lives, in business? You ready to get into this, man? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. This is Rob Z Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the podcast, uh, Lit, episode number two, Kyle Damon. All right. Rachel Lingenfelder. Hello. Hello. Hopefully you tuned in for episode number one. Oh, I'm Rob mm-hmm. Z, by the way. I introduced myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we were just talking about is going to be, which nobody else could hear except for us, but the, the point of the matter at hand here is that you're not sometimes going to feel like you want to do the thing that you know needs to be done, mm-hmm. right? Or if you're, if you're on a certain path, so things are going to pop up. You know it's important to get these things done, but your body's not always going to agree with you. Mm. So it's like the pushing through mm-hmm. aspect of all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think we probably all come from different places with that. Kyle, uh, you were just saying before we started about how uh, pushing through for you, working like an 18-hour day or something like that, if you break it up into different sections mm-hmm. and different tasks, it might be okay. But to push through on a super long day like that, that's not something that you can do. Uh, is that something you have done on a, on a regular basis? Yeah, I certainly basis? have done it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I recommend it. I'm not sure you get further ahead. I guess in some cases there's... There's more complex work that you might want to do in the beginning of the day. And I think this the umbrella to this is, you know, your mission and your goal, right? Yeah. And so what you're really working toward, and anybody on this podcast is probably has a dream or something they're trying to, to bring forward into their life, into their career. And we have to balance that, right, with with work and our, our present obligations, paying the rent when our, our passion project isn't paying the bills yet. And, uh, you know, there's no point in your entrepreneurship life, whether it's one year or 10 years or you still always have to balance these factors. Mm-hmm. And um, while we have future projects we're working on, you, we also have to, uh, you know, uh, do the mundane stuff, as it were, that pays the bills. So this has been a theme for us and the things we're thinking about as we try to grow and expand and in the new projects. So, yeah, to me, the theme for this conversation is more about um, having, like you said, Rob, what is that process of, of getting, you know, more productivity out of yourself, if that's even the right way to frame that. You know, we think of like the cattle prod kind of analogy, but the body's intelligent. And, you know, I'm a big believer in you don't, you know, you don't need to prod it along, but more of a, maybe a negotiation process, right? And let's work two hours on this and then I'm going to go out and do something I enjoy yeah. or, you know, take a break or layer it somehow. I call it layering. Yeah. That's something I've had a lot of uh, issues with uh, that Ray, my mentor, Ray, Ray, Ray Overdorf, has talked to me about uh, taking myself off of a task even when. I want to get it finished and I know I got to do something to get it finished. Mm. Taking 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes right in the middle of it just to go take a break. Mm. And that's super important. Mm. And when I don't do that, like, uh, so yesterday I didn't do that. And by 4 o'clock I was burnt out mm. and I was like exhausted. Yeah, you're not respecting your your rhythms of your body, right? Right. So even when you're – and the thing is like what I was doing was something I, I'm passionate about and I really wanted to finish and create. Mm. But I wasn't putting – 
I wasn't putting, especially when you're staring at a computer screen. I think that's a, a big. It gets a little step. rough. Yeah, you have to step in and put that pause in. Mm-hmm. And when you do it, you know there's a noticeable difference compared mm-hmm. to whenever you don't. You might not notice it in that that moment, but you'll notice it hours later. And that's what happens to me mm-hmm. around like four or five o'clock when I have to go home. Now I've spent all my energy for the day in my work day mm-hmm. and not spreading it out. So, like you were saying, if you have different things that you want to get done they're not all in the, they're not all the same task you gave the example of like you know maybe the, we're, we're recording this at 10 o'clock at night in the morning you had uh your your job you're working you're getting clients you're, mm-hmm. you're doing work for them and then we switch to doing a we drive 40 minutes to do a seminar and then we drive back and now we're recording a podcast mm-hmm. being able to switch gears like that can keep you in a, a better longer day rhythm keeps of you refreshed yeah yeah mm-hmm. but if you try to pack that all into one thing you'd be burnout yeah if you're just doing coding all day or mm-hmm. doing emails all day or, or some sort of you know the same thing that's where it, at least for my brain it becomes more drudgery yeah but when you can shift gears into a different thing it, it's even though you're still working it feels like a, a break or a different task or yeah and we've all rachel you still have an, an odd job you know it's like a job you don't necessarily want to have but you have it because you, you, you need to get paid money. Steady income, yeah. Yeah, so when you have that job, usually that's the one that comes first, too. That's yeah. the one that you have to do every time, every day, mm-hmm. and it's the one that's paying you money, but it's the one that you enjoy the least. Mm-hmm. And that, if you let it, sucks up all your energy to do the other things. And if you throw kids into the mix or, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, you got to pay bills or whatever else comes into your life, you run out of time by the end of the day and uh, you need more energy. And mm-hmm. I think that's where the American... Uh, staple of lots of you know cocaine and things in the <laughs> 80s like that with the economy and yeah. getting things to where they were maybe where people working over hours mm-hmm. than they, they should have been and not mm-hmm. listening to their body yeah that, I think that's a big topic these days right self-care and balance a work-life balance but also working towards the goals we want to achieve and you know what does that look like in this day and age where we have a ton of medical data in terms of what constitutes health in terms of the amount of sleep you need to a degree and the type of things you should be eating or not sitting too long as another one as a digital yeah. professional. These are things you have to think about because they will affect your long-term health if you're not careful. Yeah, the sitting one is, that's a that's a brutal one. It's tricky. Yeah. Stand-up desks are a big help for sure. But just moving, I mean, the treadmill desk too. I love it. Yeah. Very I, important. I don't have one, but I do like the idea. I built my own. It didn't uh, last very long, oh, really? but I did build one. Yeah. It was, it was uh, kind of a piece of garbage, but... Um, I, it's obvious we're built to walk. If you look at mm-hmm. the body structure of a human, they're not supposed to sit. We're not right. supposed to be sitting around all day long. It just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But that is that what we end up doing because we've we we work for the machines instead of having the machines work for us. You got to be careful. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a very slippery slope. That I don't know how 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 did you feel about this starting your career whenever you were just started doing uh, branding and digital marketing because for me the the two and a half year period I'm in right now it's been very difficult sometimes to step away from the computer and when I know I need to mm-hmm. I still don't so I I've I'm still trying to find that balance have you found that I think you have to be careful of how you build your business if you're relying on one skill set that requires computer FaceTime a lot and no personal human time and things like that I think you're setting, you might set yourself up for, you know, a challenge and, you know, I could probably spend more time on emails and, and reaching out and get more clients that way. Yeah. But I also recognize that's not a lifestyle I want to set up long term. So that's why we go out and do talks and that way, that's the way, you know, we go out and do things in the community. And that's where you get, I, that's where I personally get that relief and that 
that sense of life satisfaction because the whole reason we're doing all this is to build a better life for ourselves. And, um, you know, that's something you just want to think about. A lot of times we find ourselves in these positions where we say, we're just going to do this for a little while or we'll just do it this way for this year and this year. But the problem is we're such creatures of habit that you just have to be highly aware of that, that, that sometimes when you do something for 30, 60, 90, 180 days, it's not that healthy. Then you end up what you gain a little bit in maybe a little bit of financial gain, you lose in health and, and, and long term. And then all of a sudden you're in this deep habit that's hard to change. Yeah. And you don't even know that you're in it necessarily. It can be tricky, right? yeah. yeah, that's that, that's the issue is putting yourself in a habit that's very detrimental to your life and to your health. Mm-hmm. Uh, when a, man, the whole screen time screen time issue and I wonder with this that you know, you see somebody who works in front of a computer all day long and maybe they're they're coding or designing or whatever that is. And you think, oh, that's what they do for a living. That's their specialty. That's they they like that. I don't mm-hmm. think even if that is your passion, that is your specialty. That is what. Right. That's the only way for you to create the things that you're creating. That's not good to yeah. spend ten, twelve hours a day or whatever that amount of time is without a break. I wholeheartedly believe, yeah, in the next ten to twenty years, you're going to see work formats change drastically because the data is just going to compile and you're going to see how unhealthy it is. And and in my opinion, you're not a balanced employee or you're not a, you're not a well-integrated employee or worker. If all you're doing is staring at a screen, you should Mm -hmm. be at team meetings. You should be leading seminars. You, everybody in that company has an expertise at something. So you want to anybody, you know, that that runs a company or or manages a company, you want to give your employees a, a multifaceted experience or else one, they're going to go to companies that do that. Companies that care for their employees are just, you know, more desirable. So we all have to, you know, as businesses, we have to be aware of that. And, and I think the health data is going to continually reinforce that uh, over the next decade or so. Yeah, I agree 100%. And Rachel, I want to ask you this question because I, there's down a, a floor below us, there's a, a Cutco knives company. I don't know if you've seen that. And there's lots of yeah. like young kids coming out. It seems like they have a new employee. Is that what they do down there? Sales yeah. training and stuff. Yeah, sales okay. training. Yeah, and they, I, yeah, they sell. I think they. It always sounds passionate them. when I walk by. I'm like, oh, they're like they're motivated in there. They're trying to fire them up about these knives so they can <laughs> make some money. Yeah, but I wonder, like, with that sort of thing, you're bringing somebody in, and I have had those jobs. I worked at a call center when I was like 18 or 19. I didn't care about it at all, and I wonder how a company could ever get somebody to truly be passionate mm-hmm. about. The thing that even if they're sitting there giving them these sales presentations and prepping them and mm. getting them pumped up, how do you get passionate about something that's not your geared towards what you want to do in life, uh, geared towards your interests and is something you can actually get behind and get excited about, especially at, at a young age? Like, uh, Rachel, for you, for example, because I've been through it when I was, and I'm sure you have too, Kyle, having mm-hmm. like just jobs that you know meant nothing and you just go every day and just kind of trudged through them yeah. um when i was your age i was doing it still so how do you how do you feel in that world of having a job that's not necessarily something you're super excited about i guess the question i'm trying to ask is can you make that something you are passionate about or do you feel like you just have to transition out of it i mean with the job that i have now it, i've been at it for this is my sixth or seventh year doing it and i just i think at the beginning, I knew that it was something that I wasn't going to keep, mm-hmm. I, and I really wanted it to be that way. But I realized that you suddenly become an asset because people know your name. They know that you're dependable. Mm. So they keep calling back on you, and, I, and that's what happened. Mm. And, I mean, I could I could be the person to say, no, just go and quit. Just, just I mean, but I, I don't want to do that. I want to encourage others to, like, 
just wait it out and Mm -hmm. keep learning because, I mean, it's still a business that's growing because, I mean, everything is changing nowadays. And but I I don't I don't think you should just quit, like snap, just quit. I just I don't I don't think that that's that's not profitable for you Mm. because one that cuts off like if if especially if it's like that's your steady form of income, you're just you're throwing yourself into a hole yeah and you're still digging so it's like you have to be you have to be smart about it and you're Um, teaching yourself if you stick through it and actually put the work in you're teaching yourself that you can get through things that you don't necessarily want to do to get to something you do want to do oh yeah and i mean um the like kyle's been setting up these video uh morning sessions and trying to get this video library started up and one of the things that he keeps talking about is how when you're in a job that, I mean, maybe you don't necessarily care so much about it, um, but, like, it's still a learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, like, act like you're getting paid $100,000, million dollars to do it. And that mindset change alone has the capabilities of making everything feel a lot less crappy than what yeah. it is. Mm. Like, cause you find you find the little things that make it interesting like make the business interesting like i think it's so cool how what how the business can like shift if it decides if the if they get into new owners if they get into new um new forms of management mm. how those ideas taken from like years of doing it the same way and mm. then that shift i think that that's so interesting and the company that i work for right now like they just had a huge shift after so many years of doing the same thing and you see the struggles of it, but you also see the places where it's becoming more profitable because it's reaching out to different, like, because it's becoming, like, ours, for example, uh, mine, the business I work for, they became so many, uh, so much more community-based, mm-hmm. like, that I've, ne- I've never seen that happen before, especially with them. So you yeah. watch the shift from the old management to the new management? It's huge. Oh, interesting. And the, pro- and the, I think the one problem is you got, people who were in there who were making the big decisions but they didn't they didn't care mm. it's one of those situations where they were the ones that were just trudging along and all the employees were just also suffering quo, yeah, yeah. yeah and once you see somebody coming in and i give props to the new people that are coming in not only the owners but um the people who are in general management like they want to ask questions they want to know what the problems are what the pros and cons are of mm. what they're already doing um, what people want to see, what people think are working and what's not. Like, there's so much more that they care about. And it, mm. it's re- it's really refreshing. Mm. So, I mean, I up and wanted to quit how many, mm. <laughs> how many weeks ago because I just got sick of it. But then I had one conversation with somebody who was 10 times as passionate as the other person mm-hmm. who cared so much more about it than he ever thought that he would because this was never a form of business that he had ever been in. Yeah. Nobody ever treated it like that. Worked for years in, um, in the fast food service and jumps into this and he, he, no knowledge whatsoever. He, like, I already see change. Like Mm. I already see a shift. And I think that that's so cool. And I think like working under such a, like a boring environment Mm. for so long, really like it, I had my doubts, but then once I saw it happening, I was like, Whoa! I mean, even we, if, even even this company has the potential to be changed. Hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's there for everybody. Uh, I guess the move is, and Kyle, Kyle, it goes back to what you were saying 
a few minutes ago, if if you can get your employees to care, if you can get them to really be invested for some reason in your in your business, right? That's the real key to everything. And as an employee, if you can be invested, that's the real key for you too. Mm. Not saying you're going to be there forever, but while you're there, make the most of it. Yeah. Even if deep down you know it's not going to be the end result. You, yeah, that's. I mean, they, like Rachel was saying, it's what I encourage everybody to do is act. You know, how would you act today if you were you knew you were getting paid a hundred thousand dollars a day to do that job? Like you would you would whistle to work. You would be positive with everybody, and and you know the first thought is, oh, well, that's interesting, and then the next thought is, well, how is that going to square with everybody I've, you know, I'm with at that work? And you start thinking, well, what would Joe think? What would Sally think if I walked through? They think I was crazy, and then you put yourself right back in the box again. And so, of course, you don't want to go in the next day, you know, with a total character shift. They will think you're crazy, but you want to think about what that means in terms of, um, uh, you know, the energy that you carry throughout your workday because. Mm-hmm you'll attract yourself to a new job or a new situation or just like with you experience, Rachel, like your work situation changed. Like it actually changed, you know, the, the ownership changed or the management changed and, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a healthier work environment. So carry that positive tone and life will respond to you, I think. And it has for me, at least I can speak firsthand that when I changed my attitude that people in my work left, people that, that were bothering me, they kind of found different places. And it's like, you know, I'm a believer in that. What you put out is what you get back. And, um, you know, if you put out more positive energy, your life will begin to shift. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing showing the effects of like having somebody in leadership and that being effective upon their employees. Mm. I, that's also really big, too. It starts at the top. Yeah. That's the yeah, that, that's a must. Like that. I think that was the biggest thing for me. I think that's part of the re- like not only just getting a paycheck, but part of the reason I'm holding on is to see who who not, not who survives. But kind of that's what I'm looking at. I, like I want to know who's. um who's going to continue and be excited about the new positive mm, mindset that the goes. business has. Because there are just some people who want to show up to gossip, to make things harder, to yeah. complain, and just to make everybody miserable. Mm-hmm. And like like you said, carrying that type of energy, you're going to get those people that are going to be like invested in that and they'll want to do yeah. it themselves. Or then you'll get the ones that leave and want to go on a more positive route. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but those... Those bad eggs bring everybody <laughs> down, right? For real. It's like well, you get that, that one person who's complaining a lot, who's not happy, who hasn't gotten the raise, somebody's making more money than them. They, they spread like a fungus. And the problem with them yeah. is they don't know how to stop. Yeah. yeah they and most of the time, like, that's their, their coping mechanism instead of and that's usually not the their, positives. That's usually right. not their work life. That's their life. It's everything everything oh, yeah. they do is that complaint. They have style. to find a reason um, to justify why all this bad stuff is well, happening. Well, you can have them. compassion yeah. for that because, you know, you recognize when times in your life when you've had a negative state or times where you've been in a funk and, and you didn't have the tools to, to, to transcend that. And, and if you're doing better in your life and you see somebody who isn't or you know, they're in a negative mindset, like you can have compassion that they don't have the tools to, to be positive. And, and that, that helps a lot because mm-hmm. you're no longer in judgment of them or the situation. And, and that'll free your energy up because the bottom line is no water, you know, no amount of water in the world can sink a ship unless it gets on the inside. Mm-hmm. So when you maintain a positive state of mind and That's optimism, good. then um, nothing outside of you can affect you unless you choose to. Mm-hmm. Now, that isn't something that we all practice very much so it does take practice but you can get you know we can all get much better at that and you never you never master it it's always a job you know something you have to work towards no amount of water can sink a ship unless it gets on the inside that's a that's good isn't that a good one yeah if you don't let that if you don't let that 
whatever it is that that cancerous thing that person is yeah. bringing into that company seep into you you're going to be good i noticed yeah. that in, in in radio when i was leaving my job uh that i worked at for you know 14 years in the same building once i knew that i had an escape plan i started working so much harder and mm. caring so much more mm-hmm. yeah. and i found that to be strange and everybody there's because there was quite a few negative people in the in the company and I started to just distance myself from them, and I would pretty much just lock myself in the studio. Mm. I'd be in there my whole shift, and then I would do all my other work in there. Because I was, it's, if you have, like you said, pretend like you're making $100,000 or a million dollars. Whatever it is. Yeah. Or pretend, or don't even pretend, just start working on something at home. Start learning about something that really lights you up. Yeah. Then when you go to work, it's not going to be as hard because you can be right. like, oh, man, I get, balance to, it out. Get, yeah. Yeah, I get to get out of here. I get to go home and do the thing I love to do, and mm-hmm. I get to put more focus into it. Oh, yeah. And I think that's that's one of the keys. So it, as bad as that might sound, you may be a good employee because you have an exit strategy to leave that job. But when you feel like oh, you're yeah. pinned and stuck there, that enthusiasm yeah. goes out the window because that's just the rest of your life. Right. You're going to be oh, sitting yeah. there. I know that, that feeling totally. Like my... Like I, I before I even knew what social media management or like coordination was like I I just walked in knowing that this wasn't going to be permanent for me mm-hmm. but I worked like it was because right. I I wanted I wanted to show them that hey like I know that this because in the beginning even like at like orientation they just kept saying I know this is just going to be a temporary job you may be here for a year three years ten years doesn't matter but th- there's always a, a next move and I mean that's that's the kind of mindset that I had to start off like. Like I got hired full time at this company right out of college, mm. like not like I didn't even graduate and I got hired. I was working. I'd go to classes from like 8 a.m. to 3:30, and then I'd have like work from 4 to 6:30 every night. Like I, I just I just kept going, and I I, I knew that I was going to burn out at some point, and I didn't burn out until I had that sitting in front of a computer for mm. eight to ten hours a day, and I mean. The problem was that I wasn't around people who were as passionate, I feel, who didn't love, like, I love it now. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm out of that environment, that, that negative, like, that negative environment that where, like, we never had meetings, like, maybe once a month. Mm -hmm. And the only time that I would get to see management is if something went wrong. Yeah, it was always a negative. And I just, I hated, like, I was, I felt like that little cubicle that I was in, I was just stuck. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I didn't like that. So I think once I knew that, okay, like I have a way out and I, I went into substitute teaching mm-hmm. and like I knew that like once I started getting the ball rolling on all those things, that was my way out. Mm-hmm. But I worked hard. I did. I really, I wanted to show them that, hey, I still care, but see ya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can, the skills you get, it doesn't, you know, even though this might not be your end job or whatever, you know, your final job and for most people, it never is anyhow. Um, you learn, like, what you practice today is what you're going to carry with you. Like, don't wait until you get an ideal job to start working like it's your ideal job. Yeah. Or else you'll never get there. Mm, right. And when you do, here's a great example. Man. What, what you're saying right now is what I was just thinking. And I don't know if you went through this after you stopped working uh, meaningless nine to five jobs mm-hmm. and started on your own passion. But for me, the past two and a half years, I still catch myself working as if. I have a boss and I can just go home at the end of the day and forget all the stuff yeah. and leave it at, leave yeah. it at work and come back to it later. Mm-hmm. So I, I still fall back into that mindset sometimes where I'm like, oh, crap. Like I, I'm treating this thing like it's the thing that I used to do that I was all disgruntled by. Not yeah. that my job was terrible or anything. I just 
I didn't have the passion for it like I have the passion for what I'm doing now. And I, I guess it, it'll take a few years to kick it out of my system completely. Yeah, it takes a little while, yeah. Did, so you went through that? Well, the hardest part about being your own boss is that you got to be your own boss. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's – we grow up – most 80 to 90 percent of us grow up to be an employee mindset. And that's a very different think, way of thinking than as you shift into entrepreneurship. Yeah. However, uh, like we were talking about at the conference, I think we're going to have a big shift over the next 10 years or so of more peop- more and more people moving to being solopreneur, independent contractors. They're going to take their skills that they have at their job or in their industry and they're going to turn it into an expertise and become a, have a high-paid skill. And that's what I'm very committed to. And that's why, Rachel, we were doing those you know, video training programs because mm-hmm. every you know not everybody, but there's a large amount of people who want to, just like you did, Rob, make that transition. And the biggest thing as we come to find is mindset. Mm-hmm. And you've got to have the right framework of mind. You've got to have good people around you who can help you because you just can't do it all yourself. And if you're isolated in a box, you won't have the mindset that you'll need to stick with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the whole idea of protecting your confidence, which I mentioned tonight at the seminar that we were we were talking to in uh, State College, Pennsylvania. Dean Graziosi has this thing. It, it's, it's protect your confidence. And it's extremely mm, important to hang on to that because – so much of your day is other people trying to distract you from what you want because right. they want to give you what they have yeah. and get you on board. Whether that is they're trying to sell you something, whether that is their bad attitude, whether it is their enthusiasm for something that does not relate to you, mm-hmm. but they want to you know, bring it on to you. There's so many things that can distract you. So if you can- Drain your energy, deflate your confidence. Suck your yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all just, just pulling away. So it's like this constant- Fight against the tide, yeah. you know. Fight against the current, and uh, I think what you have to do really is is learn to, to love that and see that as a challenge. The way I'm looking at it right now is like if I can see that as a challenge that I can defeat on a daily basis, mm-hmm. I'm going to get really, really good at what I do. Yeah, because I'm pushing all that stuff out of the way and keeping. That's why I have written up on the the whiteboard. Uh, it, says, it says me, and then a direct arrow to dreams, and then all the things that I feel like mm. are enticing. Like marketing, like uh, you know, people, friends, consulting, uh, freelancing. I put email on there, things like that. Like little things that, that that are good that work for me. But they're if I focus too much on them, they will get me off course. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody talked about when you're when you're chasing after, if you figure out what it is that you want, and you're chasing after it on a constant basis, when they send a rocket to the moon, or they send a, a space shuttle to the moon, basically it is. Millions and millions of small recalculations every tenth of a second. Uh, okay. So every tenth of a second, you must because if, if you would if you would have to recorrect to the left just a little bit and you stayed on that left path, you'd miss the moon by you know a million yeah, or a hundred yeah. miles or whatever. Right, right. Wow. So you have to constantly recorrect the whole way there, yeah. and that's when you work at a job and you have a, when, when you have a nine to five or whatever that situation is. You don't have to worry about recorrecting because you're just working for somebody else. Yeah. Somebody else is responsible for that path. Right. But when it's you, you must constantly reconnect, recorrect yourself mm-hmm. to keep yourself on course. And that is, I think, a really great lesson in discipline to be able to figure that out. Yeah, yeah it's not in, in a, you know, it's not that it's, I don't know if you would explain it similarly, the same way or not, but when you make that shift to being your own boss, you know, there's different challenges, but it's not any harder because you're not getting this constant whiplash from 
a, a poorly structured management team, mm-hmm. a, a company that doesn't care. And there's there's this constant emotional whiplash that a lot of people have in in, in working for companies because, you know, your values aren't aligned with theirs and, and you don't respect or trust the leaders at the top and oftentimes yeah. for good reason. And Yeah, when they don't care, and like you said, like, Rachel, that, that's when it's really yeah. hard to care. Yeah. It makes it super difficult. Well, just like with marketing, and you know, if we go into organizations and you know, trying to help them with their digital strategy and, and their in the marketing, if I get a sense that it's not coming from, if there's not a true initiative from the top down, it won't work. Mm-hmm. Like there's, we're just, it'll be fighting the whole time, and it just, it won't take off. Yeah. So it's got you know everything in a company, and you know if you're working for a company where you feel like they're you're not being you know respected and, or represented and cared for or at least you know, you know appreciated you definitely want to start making moves away from that and i think a, a sideline income is, is a great way to build a cushion against that because you just got to be careful you, you can't resent your boss you can't resent your your company because that only hurts you that's the water getting on the inside of your boat it mm-hmm. just won't help you or them or any situation so you got to be careful not to be resentful because that only hurts you and um and then you've got to start taking action to move out of it. Because if you if you resent and stay in the same situation, you know that's that's you know what you, I don't know what you call that, but it's not a good not a good move. Yeah, I think the tough love part of that is because somebody I can imagine somebody listening to this and being like, well, yeah, but you don't understand my situation. Mm-hmm. They dropped, you know, they cut my pay in half. Yeah. Th- there's a million different Stories. things yeah. they could throw in there. But when it comes down to it. You have the power to do something about that, yeah. and only you. And I'm nobody's going to come save you. Exactly, and, and and I'm not saying that it's easy. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm not saying that you is, you're wrong for having uh, internal struggles over that because you're you're right. I mean, it's tough, but in the end, nobody's going to save your ass. Nobody's going to come through in that job and be like, you know what, you're amazing. Yeah. You get this raise unless you do something to earn that. Right. Or transition yourself out of it, but you you only only you hold the power to cha- to change that. I've yeah, I've been doing this a long time. I was fortunate to find a passion when I was quite young in motorsports, and um, and that led me down a, a very interesting career track where I've I've once you become once you become committed to your passions in a certain way, like there's no going back, and and you'll 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 reach a threshold where you're just no longer able to operate in that old way. And it's one. It's a very much a journey worth taking, and, and you know it doesn't matter how difficult or the challenges you have, because you know what else is pretty hard working for a company, you know nine to five for the rest, the rest of your year, or the rest of your life, where you have no possible upside. Mm-hmm. You might just make enough money to retire. You might, and in most cases, you're not going to be able to. And so what? If, so what if it takes you ten years to learn entrepreneurship? So right. what if it takes you ten years and three failed businesses to to get it figured out? Like, what's the alternative? Right. The alternative is. A life of misery, I don't, and then yeah. not a whole lot of money at the end of that life, right? And, yeah. and I shouldn't say misery. I don't, I don't want to paint a picture like it's it's <laughs> so dark. But if you, we all have something inside of us. If you can tap into that thing and find that special thing that you really want to do, then you're going to transcend that job because you're going to get so you're going to fall so in love and get so on fire for that thing you want right. you want to do. That's, so, that's what will sustain you. Yeah, that job will eventually. It won't. It can't hurt you anymore. Yes, you'll you, be immune to that. Yes, you'll get mm-hmm. so powerful in that thing that you're building that that job is just a, it's 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 just a gateway. It's a lesson learned. It's like mm-hmm. I got to get through this thing because you've more on, on the horizon. Terrible jobs are fantastic motivating tools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah. oh, just yeah. don't uh, jumping out earlier better is is better. <laughs> don't right? stand the, too long. The longer you're yeah. in, yeah. Uh, before okay, so let's sign up here in a second. But I'm thinking about that. This is a crazy thought. So when I was working at the the radio company I used to work for. Um, we had an when we would end date a commercial like we'd have a commercial we'd put it in the system there'd be a, an end date for it 
the the number could only go up until 2038 in the system. Right. And once it hit, once we hit 2038, I don't know what was going to happen. It was like Y2K. It was like Y2K, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I used to think like, dude, if I'm here by the time it's 2038, we have to reset these freaking systems. I'm going to, I mean, I'm thinking to myself in the future how much I'm going to hate my life, right? And how terrible that's going to be. Like if that, if that day comes and I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, now we got to redo the systems, I've failed mm-hmm. at life. So right. that always kept me on a reminder of, and I, and I, not to, I, I loved everybody that I most, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but I, I really had a good connection with some people that I worked with. And I thought these, they, they've been doing the same thing mm. complaining about the same the thing complaining is the, yeah. and especially yeah, yeah. In, a, in a radio job where it can be if you if you want to have fun at that job it's not that hard mm. you got some freedom to go on the air and, and have some mm. fun with it but they would just make it this miserable miserable experience and i like while i was working there several people died in the company oh wow like, it was just stress weird yeah. yeah and this radio is a very unhealthy profession mm. um for whatever reason but yeah that that always stuck with me like having that in my face that 2038 like that i can still remember that being like man if i'm here when that happens that is it <laughs> so what can we leave with some some closing thoughts guys what do we, what do we want to leave them with something could i ask a question oh yeah okay. i like questions so since we're on the idea of like having a bad job what was the worst job that you've ever had <sighs> um both of you i, I mean at, me too but i worked at a subway i cut my the front of my thumb off uh-huh. once <laughs> that was bad i it, hated that did it make its job. way into a sandwich uh, i was on the bread yeah so oh, man. I, I was cutting the loaf of bread and my friend came in and i was talking to him and he told me the bread he wanted so i was looking at him and talking while i was cutting and i sliced my thumb open and blood squirted all over the bread and like i had to go to the emergency room and get stitches oh my god that might not have been the worst job but that was the the worst exit i ever had because that was pretty much the end of it probably weiss markets when i was 16 Fronting, oh, yeah. fronting shelves. I'd have to front shelves for eight hours. Like just Ooh. bring produce or bring, uh, you know, boxes and stuff oh, to the I've front of the shelf. Yeah. For an eight-hour shift when you're 16. That's a drudgery. That hell. Yeah. 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 All you want to do is be out with your friends. Yeah, or yeah. just something else. Some variety. Like sleeping. Yeah. If podcasting would have been around back then, I think <laughs> it would have been good popping your butt in. I yeah. think that for a lot of jobs now. Uh, I, podcasting would save me in a lot of menial jobs now. Mm-hmm. You can just put an earbud in and just the day goes by. <laughs> yeah, it helps. Yeah. Like if yeah. you're working construction or something, holding a road sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez. What about you, Kyle? What's the worst one? Say, I think of the, yeah, the, the worst one for me was um, I was washing trucks like they were out on the road, right? So they needed to spray wash them. And this was, you know, rain, shine, winter, summer. Uh, fortunately, I only did. I think maybe I might have been there three or four weeks and, and um, I, I had a bit of an attitude in my teenage years, so so I gave the, um, the, the you know the, the the ringleader there. I gave him some sass one day, and I showed up the next day. He says, "Hey, you're off to schedule." And I, my 16 year old brain didn't know what that meant, so I'm standing there. He's like, "You're off to schedule." I'm like, "What does that mean?" I guess he didn't want to tell me I was fired. I don't know. Don't <laughs> tell me I was fired, but yeah, this washing trucks, the chase, man. <laughs> like you're just soaked all day. Your boots that you bought to stay dry aren't dry. Right. And it, yeah, that was that was rough. And you're around people that aren't that happy and. Yeah, thankfully it didn't last long. But I say I've been quite lucky with that and definitely with finding my passion early. But um, what about you, Rachel? Well, the very first job I ever had, I worked at Taco Bell. Mm. <laughs> and I, know, I, I remember going into the interview and being so pumped. <laughs> and then, like, my first shift, 
I just was harassed by like every single mm. employee in there. Yeah. Like they didn't like me because I was the new girl with energy and I wanted yeah. to learn. They drag you mean, down to their level, right? Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I can't come in there with that energy. Make no, them look bad. they're like, we make tacos grudgingly. Like we we're we're not supposed to be happy. Mm. <laughs> like they got mad. Like I was working as a cashier. That's how I got. That's what I was hired for. And I trained and I did really, I did really well. And then they put me back online because they were busy. And I put I put I did the order wrong in a taco and I, I got scolded. It was bad. <laughs> Damn. No, but I think the worst job I ever had, I worked uh seasonal at American Eagle. Just mm. folding them shirts. Well no, <laughs> like I was on floor but dressing room. Oh. Yes, those those jeans look great on you. Oh, you had like to be the pretending that I had to care like <laughs> what the people looked like in the clothes. Yeah. And I mean I, like I had to wear the clothes too, so I couldn't be I couldn't be like that judgmental. But it just just trying to be nice to everybody, even when they were complaining. I was just like, I can't. I need to get out of here. Retail's a special beast. Oh, oh I don't know yeah. how people yeah, do tough. it. And, like, and that's the thing when you're when you're talking about firing up your employees. Like, how do you keep people like that fired up? Like, it's, yeah. those jobs aren't meant to fire you up. There's a right way and a wrong way to do any everything. And a new company with a good a good team at the top, they can translate passion all the way down through the company. And yeah. we see that. Like, look at Chick Fil A. That place is pretty. You know, spins up pretty high. Yeah, they they have smiles on their faces. I wonder if it's legit or not. Sometimes it's definitely but... more happy than McDonald's. Oh no doubt. Yeah, you know, it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's a whole different paradigm. Wendy's, I always notice, has a lot of happiness. Decent, I don't it? know what that's about. I don't but know, I... but Blair, like that Wendy's in Altoona, like on Pleasant Valley, there's this one girl that always takes my order. Hi, welcome to Wendy's. What can I make fresh yeah, for you today? Like was, really high pitch. That was and really I good. The love did that. her energy. Cheeseburger, please. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're meant to work at drive through. That was Can excellent. Can you add a fresh baked cookie to my order? Like she was always so sweet and I, every time I had her like she would like the one time she took my order and she was also like there when I gave her my money and I was like I love the fact that you are the most you're probably mm-hmm. the most high energy employee yeah. at a fast food restaurant I've ever met. She goes, "Thank you." Well, hopefully she's going to transcend <laughs> that job at some point. She might be listening to this podcast. Oh, her please. Up. <laughs> Hook me up with some free frosties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, let's we got to wrap up here, but um I, I think the uh, an important piece of the puzzle, right, is whenever you, you have that person who has that attitude. Mm-hmm. Like if you can you got to if you don't have that attitude and you're really having a tar- hard time attaching yourself to somebody who has a positive attitude, even when you they have no reason to, cling on to those people. Yeah. We need to oh, learn yeah. something. That's my, my wife is that example to a T. She has this natural, unreasonable reason to just be happy and content. Optimistic. That's great. Yeah, and just contentness, optimism. you got to put yourself around those people and attach yourself to them. It's yeah. like if you're an introvert – you need to be with an extrovert at some point because yeah. you gotta even if you're not meant to be in front of people all the time talking, you've gotta learn some of those skills. They're yeah, only gonna sure. help. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Your guys. community is so powerful and that's just number one mm-hmm. who you hang out with. Mm-hmm. It's super, super important. And if you struggle with that, find that person and just try to become their friend, try to try to learn something from them. You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your friend's nose. <laughs> well, if they're a good enough friend, I feel like you probably <laughs> you could. could. That yeah. closeness, though. It's a good way to end, isn't it? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> that should just be my thing, like a strange quote, like right at the end. You can't pick your friends, but you, you can pick you your can friends. You can pick your friends, but you can't pick, you can't pick your friend's nose. Yeah, not totally accurate, but I do like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would pick somebody's nose pretty easily. It's not that big of a deal. That, that'd just be like the last thing on the podcast. Yeah, all right. So, <laughs> guys, somebody's. thank you once again. Episode number two, lit, live mm-hmm. here. Uh Kyle, 
Rachel, myself, Rob. You can find us. Just follow, as of right now, social media, plain and simple, on Facebook. Join that group. Uh, you can follow me at Rob Z Radio on Facebook, RobZRadio.com. Kyle, what about you? Kyle D. Marketing, Instagram. Kyle D. Marketing on Instagram. And Rachel? Um, Rachel Lingenfelder, in-home dog sitting services on Facebook and Instagram. Whoa. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Rachel Lingenfelder. In-home. In-home. Dog sitting. Dog sitting. Services. Services. All right, cool. All right, thanks, guys. All right. Till next time. Bye-bye. This is Rob Z Radio.